coming up on this episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. We are continuing our conversation with Robert Epperly, the author of the book, How to Get Great Results Using the Relational Leadership Model. And we will answer your email questions about leadership, some real life workplace situations that Robert is going to shed some light on as well. All of this and so much more is headed your way next. Welcome to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. Brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Join radio veteran Rick Hampton and his guests for informative and entertaining discussions as they take you behind the scenes, behind the stories, behind the music, and more. Originating from the Big Daddy Studios, it's time to go behind the mic, and here's your host, Rick Hampton. Well, you know what? Joining me once again is Robert Epperly. How you doing, man? Fantastic. Thanks for oh, having me. Oh, yeah. It is a, such a pleasure. You know, I will tell you that I have had quite a few people... Um, email me. Uh, some of them email me questions, but some of them just email me to say, man, that was a really great conversation. And it was really cool that you guys were able to hook up after all these years yes, it was. and uh, reconnect. Yeah. So, And I totally agree with them on that. So it was great having you on the first time. And I'm looking forward to today because we got some really good emails, questions for you to answer today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you asking uh, me to come back and do this again. It's been a great time for sure reconnecting just to share whatever knowledge I have been gifted from God to get that out and get it to uh, others. All right. Well, you know what? Um, you started. Let me just give a little background. For those that you maybe did not hear the first one, which you do need to go back and listen to, but part one, uh, we learned a little bit about Robert, and that was that he started in Webco in March of 95 and worked pretty much as an hourly maintenance uh, technician working just shift work. In 97, you kind of took a side journey into teaching, which you said, of course, you have big respect for teachers everywhere after that experience, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Yeah. So for two years, you did that uh, in uh, Central Tech and Drumright. You returned to Webco. And this time around, things were different. You returned and you were the controls and automation technician for the stainless product division in 1999 is when you returned back. And within the first month, you were promoted to the maintenance manager and held that position for quite a while until 2008, right? Yes. Here's where kind of things start really happening for you. Um, you completed your bachelor's degree from University of Central Oklahoma in 2008 and then were offered the plant manager position in a newest division at that time in Kellyville with Webco and part of the requirement um, and I think this to me was kind of where your life changed even more because part of the requirement of taking this promotion was you had to enroll in an MBA program so you did 2009 you started a two-year fast track MBA program at Southern Nazarene University and you graduated in December of 2010 in that part of that MBA program. Tell me a little bit about kind of one of the things that kicked off Webco University. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to go ahead and make sure that everybody knew the book. What was the name of the book that kind of kicked this thought off for you with Webco University? Yep. So that was Straight from the Gut by Jack Welch. All right. And it was interesting because uh, you kind of had the idea for Webco University. So you pitched it all the way up the chain to finally to the founder, you yes. know, that has since passed on, but Bill Weber and they loved it. Yes. And so that's kind of where in 2011, it's been 10 years and Webco University is alive and kicking and going strong, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, since this podcast aired, we were talking about that this past week in the office and we were sitting around like, it's been a decade. And it's really cool because now you have 10 employees. Yep. So uh, that's got to be interesting because originally, you know, you didn't hire anybody at first and now you're up to 10. And the, the staggering number that I find is 
interesting is 8,000 courses. It is amazing to me. That is just incredible. Yeah, it's taken a long time to get there, but sir, certainly uh, they all have their place. Well, speaking of Webco University, I did get an email. This email, uh, I wanted to bring everybody up to speed. Now, we've been asking you guys to send in your email questions, and I got one from Robin. She works for a company in Tulsa, and she wanted to know, Robert, when you talk about Webco University, are all the courses dealing with processes that you teach employees or work lessons in how to do something? Or is it kind of leadership skills and teaching to help further their training to be managers and ultimately leaders? We want to try to do something similar at my company. So give me a call and I'll help you out with that. Uh, uh, but no, th- these courses run the gamut. So they are uh, procedural based things that employees need to know, safety related, quality related, environmentally related, uh, equipment related, how to run the equipment, how to fix the equipment and then all the way to leadership development from being the front line supervisor or the front level. And then as we progress through our levels of leadership in our, in our company, then there are, we have four of those. There are courses that apply to all of those. So they're, they're from entry level all the way to advanced. So those 8,000 courses are then a mix of all of those. So it gives them yes. not only practical, like stuff they have to know and they need to know to run the equipment, yep. to do uh, any of the uh, plans, things like that. But you're also working on their leadership skills, mm-hmm. on their management skills, so that they can uh, then in turn, and I, and I would assume that the way that that works too, is that they're kind of expect, they're expected, not kind of, they're expected to turn around and begin to work on those with their direct reports and things like that. So to bring them up to speed more mm-hmm. and, and when they learn something new, you know, I know that that was one of the things that was so interesting about the conference that you guys attended mm-hmm. was you challenged all the ones in the room, hey, you know what, within a certain amount of time, we want you to present something that you learned. Anything that you learned in this conference from these guys that spoke, you are going to be leading a class or teach it mm-hmm. to others. Yeah, so it was a big takeaway actually from working at Central Tech is that uh, repetition is obviously one way to learn, but actually teaching someone something you've learned because you have to learn it from a different perspective. But absolutely, and that deadline was July 31st, if any of those employees are listening, that they have to teach what they've learned at that Entree Leader course. Awesome. That is so great. Well, great question, Robin. Thanks for sending it in. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the book as well, how to get great results using the relational leadership model. I've heard from some listeners, like I said, of the show who said they were going to buy the book. But without giving too much away, Robert, what Mm -hmm. is one important takeaway from the book? So one way would be if you used, uh, for me, let's say I use calendars to plan my day, which I do. And so if you looked at Outlook, which I use, you can see Monday through Friday, everything that I do, every place that I go, and I, I go to all of our divisions, there is a, a time on each day that says, hey, I'm going to be at this division, I'm going to be doing this, but I block out time for meetings for one-on-ones, for projects I'm assigned, for planning, right? I, I actually put time on my calendar for thinking, hey, I've got big decisions I need to, to work on, so I need to stop and think, and I need to go engage other people to do that. There are things that uh, have to go on that calendar to keep me up to date, because if it's not on my calendar, I have a hard time keeping up with it and doing it. I, uh, I have a good memory, but sometimes that fails me, and so if it's not there, I don't do it, and so I use my calendars very effectively every day to include some of the things that are uh, even in uh, my my wife had a birthday this week, and so I want to make sure I don't forget things like that. <laughs> so those reminders are out there to say, hey, 
don't forget, wife turned uh, 25 again today. Yeah. <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah. So, okay, so uh, you, when you were here the first time, mm-hmm. I said, okay, are you looking around the monitor here at my notes? Because this falls right into the next uh, email question, okay? Sure. It's from Jeff in Tulsa, right. and he writes, I was just promoted to a new management position. I use to-do lists now, and in this new position, I will oversee a lot of projects with deadlines. How do I make sure projects and tasks stay on schedule? Good question, Jeff. So for me, I go back to seven habits, habit two, and that is begin with the end. So when I'm done, what needs to happen? What does it need to look like? And then I work backward from there. What are the milestones or what are the big things that need to happen? In seven habits, they call those big rocks. And so I put those in, in order consecutively and when they need to happen, then I go engage people. We call them key stakeholders, people that can help me accomplish those things. And I plan each of those out. I follow up on each of those every week. If I have key stakeholders, I'm meeting with them. I get an agreement or a win-win. What's good for them? What's good for me to make sure that project stays on track? If I have multiple projects going on uh, at the same time simultaneously, then I have to make sure that I work on each of those and move them across the board. But you know, when you have multiple things going on, you need to make sure that you delegate where you can, engage other people, uh, but you have to be very effective at planning and following up. And if you do not do that, uh, I wear a risk bracelet every day, two of them. One of them is from my friends, Jocko, which we talked about last time, from Echelon Front, and it says discipline equals freedom on that wrist bracelet. And so you get freedom when you're disciplined to do the planning and the execution that it takes to go along with that. And if you fail to do that, then you're going to fail to complete that project on time. And it just, it takes discipline. You know, and I think uh, with scheduling too, you know, for me, I'll tell you what's hard for me is if, if it's something that I don't want to do, I have a tendency to put it off. But what logic says, and like training, reading, all of that stuff says, do those first. Get them out of the way. The things that you dread, the things that you hate to do, get them out of the way first and then you can go to the other things because those are things that make you happy that uh you know make you know if you're really a reader and in your planning reading time Mm -hmm. but you've got this project out there like a red flag just waving at you the whole time then it's you're you're not going to be focused on what you're Mm -hmm. reading you're not going to be learning that stuff or whatever so that's that for me that's the deal Mm -hmm. i have to i have to knock out the stuff i hate first and then I can go to the other stuff. That's a great point. Uh, that's very, I, I, I do the same thing. It's very important for a lot of people to do those things. Uh, I, I also try to concentrate my time, 75% of that, where I have strengths from where I'm learning and doing those. And the things that I know that are necessary, those 5% of those things that are reports or things that are repetitive for me that I, I know I have to get done, but maybe not as fun. I, I do knock those out first. And I always try to do those Monday and Tuesday and then leave the rest of the week for anything else. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff, for that yep. uh, question. Good one. I've um, got another one here. I'm an introvert and have a hard time giving feedback. Do you have any suggestions on how to help me? Okay, so I am an introvert myself. Uh, and so those uh, times the, that we call them learned behaviors. And so I had to learn to give uh, feedback and especially good feedback because initially in my career, the things I would do were the easiest things. And that would be for me to just go do it myself. If someone said, hey, I really don't like that or whatever, so, okay, I'll go do it. But as you learn, uh, you end up doing a lot of those things you shouldn't and those things that should be delegated. 
appreciated. And so you have to learn to have conversations with people, even if they can be tough. And so some of those things would be to disarm the situation would be just, hey, can, simply, can I give you some feedback? Would that, would that be okay? A lot of times that'll take people out of fight or flight because they're like, hmm, where are they going with this? And then the second uh, technique I, I've learned over the years really is to ask someone, say, hey, I've noticed a behavior. So now I'm going to focus on a behavior and not you as a person. Say, I've noticed a behavior. You have permission to tell me I'm wrong if I've gotten it wrong. And that gives them permission. It gives them an out. They say, no, that that's not right. But I, I say, hey, you have permission to tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. And then I explain the behavior from beginning to end. And that uh, that allows two-way conversation. It isn't me telling them you're doing this. It isn't a dictator coming up, but it's really a conversation. But for introverts, it really helps kind of break down those barriers and learn to have those conversations. And over time, it gets better and better and better. And now with me, it's, it's much easier because uh, I've been doing it for so long. But again, it is a learned behavior for an introvert. Uh, the question of that then is uh, for you, you know, when you were saying that you asked Hey, can I give you some feedback? When you started doing it like that, and when you started changing the approach, did you ever just kind of bark that? I mean, with the military background, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you can be just the facts. And so it's like, okay, you know what? Here, this is this thing you're doing wrong. It needs to be fixed and you need to fix it right now. Did you have to learn to adapt to that and see that, you know, that maybe that didn't go so well the first handful of times you did it like that? So in, when, my, during my time in the military, for sure, uh, when, when you work for people that do that, sometimes you pick up those behaviors and do that. And absolutely, I did that in the military, but you learn quickly that is not the way people want to be led. They can be managed and you can do that. You have to be careful. People will always perform higher, better, give you better results, give you discretionary time, follow you through thick and thin when you lead them. And then you learn that is not the way. Don't bark orders. Don't be a dictator. Don't be that way. There are times, again, we talked about that on our last podcast, when those things are necessary. The house is on fire. You got to take the hill. You need to be direct and have that military voice come out. Otherwise, it needs to be a little more participative, team building, allow people to have input. Sometimes when a decision needs to be made, the leader needs to keep 51% of the vote because they need to make the decision, but it's okay to allow others to have input into that conversation. One thing I was surprised about the first time that I, I had read um, um, Extreme Ownership by yep. Jocko, and it, it was really interesting because the whole time when I was reading that, I was hearing it in his voice, although I'd never really seen an interview or him on stage. And then during that conference, we did. And and I loved his talk, but I think what I liked more was whenever he was being interviewed because it showed a different side of Jocko. You yeah. expect for it to be this hard charging in there, in there, in your face and we're going to lead and we're going to go and we're going to do and we're going to take the hill and we're mm. on and on. But yet, you know, whenever he was dealing with like kids, it was totally different. You know, it was like you could see the soft side of Jocko yep. and to be honest with you, just like you said, it's like you get more out of people when you respect them, when you give them the why behind the what. Yep. Um, and those details, I know that that's been something that uh, has changed in my life uh, as far as leadership goes. Uh, and uh, I, I primarily lead a volunteer crew. And so for me, you know, if you are going to be mean and you're going to be aggravated about it, they'll just leave. They're like, yeah, I'm not getting paid for this. So I'm not going to I'm not going to stay around. And so I had to do the same thing. I had to learn very quickly to give them the why behind the what. 
and to let them know, pull that curtain back a little bit and say, okay, this is why we're doing this. It may seem absurd, but this is why we're doing it. And this is why it makes sense. And I think uh, so many times for me anyway, it has made a big difference. Sure. Uh, just kind of add on to that. Uh, when, when you see a guy like Jocko and Navy Seal, you really expect them to be uh, have this big ego and be highly charismatic and stuff. And when you listen to them speak and they say one of the most important things for a leader to have is humility, you're like, say what? Mm-hmm. A guy like that is saying that? But it, it's absolutely true. You have to do that, right? People, you know, there's so much competition in the workplace today. People will just leave, right? And you've got to lead people, right? And they've got to have a voice. They need to know they have a voice in some of those things. Then I'll also say, I really believe the toughest leadership job in some cases is leading volunteers because they don't have to be there. Yeah. So that's tough. So if you're out there doing that, if you're in the church, world or in a nonprofit, hats off to you because it is tough. Yeah. I, I, we were just talking to, I was talking to a fellow coworker uh, from years ago recently, and we were discussing that kind of same thing of how that, you know, when you were in a meeting and somebody was explaining something to you, uh, it always went better when they brought it down to the level of, hey, we're in this together. We need to work on this. And this is something that we need to take care of. But the one thing that we didn't do, if you come in there with ego and you start spouting off all these, you know, sayings and stuff. We had a GM one time who uh, were we were country stations. And so his his thing was he came in and was like, you know, we're going to take us to number one and I know what I'm doing and on and on and on. And it was I, 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 I over and over and over. And his big thing, he said it probably, I don't know, probably at least 10 times in this meeting when he first met all of us. Some of us in the room had been through several GMs, you know, they'd come and gone. And so but his saying was, well, I just want you to know that I'm, you know, not all hat, no cattle. Uh, In other words, he could back up what he was saying, you you know the funny part was is that to his face he probably saw every one of us oh man look at all that buy-in everybody's you know buying into this dream and this vision that's great but really what was was we were all we had met at an off-site location and as we're all walking out the door we're all like what a jerk what an idiot we'll outlast him too and sadly we were right <laughs> a lot of us did outlast him <laughs> so it was just kind of like you know he didn't have any buy-in at all it was all what I'm going to do. And there was no humility there or anything. And I think that, um, but yet we had program directors and things like that were like, look, I can't run the station without you. And we've got to do this together. And it's the only way is we're going to, I'm going to provide you with the tools to make your shows the best they can be. And you're going to provide the personality and um, to get the ratings to, mm-hmm. to reach out to listeners as well. And those were the ones that we would have died on the hill for. I mean, kind of a thing, you know. So uh, one of my biggest mentors, Moon Mullins in the business, um, he has since passed. And that was the kind of the way he was, you know. I mean, he just let you know. You know, he he told you stories, Mm -hmm. but he let you know that you guys were killing it together. You guys were going, you know, all of us were were going to work this thing out together. So, yeah, humility is a big deal. And then to give them in that buy in, give them the vision and let them work for that end result Mm -hmm. as well. People will uh, listen to exactly what you just said. You basically almost stated the thesis of the book. Great results right there. (laughs) Believe it or not, honestly, uh, because the key to everything you just said really was relationships. Mm -hmm. That is the key. If you don't have that with your employees, they don't have it with you. Will they produce results? Yes. It will not be sustainable, will not be for long, and they will leave as soon as they get a better opportunity. 
opportunity. Yeah, which is something that stood out to me on the first episode, too, was talking about that, how that you were discussing that, you know. So it sounds to me like that that maybe even has been some, you know, in your past, uh, you know, and you probably thought that maybe about some managers or somebody that was over you as well. You're like, Mm -hmm. because I know that you said that, that, you know, sometimes it's, man, what can I learn from you? That's really great. And then what can I learn not to do that you just did? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Man, that is good stuff. That is good stuff. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to answer a lot more of your leadership questions. We're going to talk about the book, how to get great results. And we're going to dive just a little deeper in the companion workbook that is available. And if you didn't know that, it is. There is a companion workbook available as well on Amazon. When you search for the book, how to get great results using the relational leadership model with Robert Epperly, you can find both of those resources right there on Amazon. So you don't want to miss out on that. It's going to be a nice deep dive companion workbook uh, thought there. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Want to hear more? You can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and Google Play Music. Become a part of the discussion. Join us on Facebook. Search Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. It's been a hot and humid summer so far, and maybe your AC isn't keeping up with the demand. Maybe it's on its last leg. Call my friends at Total Comfort Solutions, 918-246-7300, and they will come out, check your system, and if your AC needs to be serviced or replaced, they can get the job done. Total Comfort Solutions is a Bryant-authorized dealer and has financing options available. Don't wait another second. Call Total Comfort Solutions today, 918-246-7300. That's 918-246-7300. 918-246-7300. Total Comfort Solutions. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. We're back talking to Robert Epperly, author of the new book, How to Get Great Results Using the Relational Leadership Model. And Robert, you know, in the workbook, one of the questions you asked was, has your boss ever apologized to you for making a mistake? And if so, how did it make you feel? My question to you is, is that A, have you ever had that happen to you? Or have you ever had to apologize to an employee and as a manager and leader you know that takes guts Mm-hmm. To put aside the ego, be humble, and admit a mistake. Has that ever happened? Absolutely. Uh, both. So uh, my current boss for sure has. We have a great relationship. And, uh, you know, there after working with him for a decade, uh, things have happened. Uh, and after a period of time, I was just proven right. And he came to me. He's like, hey, you're absolutely right on this. And uh, it was dealing with the way that we uh, we operate our department and things. I don't want to go into detail. Uh, but absolutely. He, he came to me and was very humbling. And you know, one of the things that he directly said was, will you accept my apology? for that. And I was like, wow. Okay. And then on the flip side, absolutely. Uh, and if, as a leader, if you've not apologized for something, you probably do. You need to figure out what it is. You need to go apologize. You need to go do that. But absolutely. I say things uh, and I get it wrong or uh, whatever. The way I, I handle a situation sometimes, even though I really, I, I have patience and I do those things. I'm not quick tempered, but still sometimes stuff happens and you got to go back and say, I'm sorry. And so, you know, I absolutely was not right. I handled that wrong. This is how it should have been. We know better. Uh, with our 16 principles we have at, at Webco, we just say, hey, we, we lead with trust and teamwork, and I, I probably just messed that up, and I'm sorry. So for sure, I've, I've done that probably with every employee that, that works with me. You know, my my actual story with that, too, is um, I was trying to think of that for me. Have I ever done that or done that? And, and to be honest with you, mine was not, but as I mentioned before in the other podcast, the first podcast, it was after the fact. I had to 
look up some of these people on Facebook that I'd worked with and just said, look, you know, over the years, I have learned a whole lot more than I learned and I knew then. And I got to tell you, I'm sorry. You know, I was not a leader. And for the most part, there were a lot of people who were surprised. But at the same time, there were others that were like, you know what? I got to tell you that I thought you were a terrible boss at the time. And I talked about you badly and I did not buy into anything that you said. I feel bad about that because I later learned there was teaching that should have went on or learning and mentoring that you didn't get either. And so you were just blind leading the blind sometimes with some of those things. And so I'm sorry that I was not a good employee to you. So it was really therapeutic, but at the same time, it was so vindicating too on my part to say, man, you know what? We are in this together. Let's figure it out. And I think that if you can head that off before like I did, where it was after the fact, it would be so much better for the working relationship at the time. Yeah, I kind of uh, equate that a little bit to admitting weakness and, and things like that. And so your employees, if you have people that report to you, they know your weaknesses. The big thing they need to know is that you recognize your weaknesses because they know what they are. And if you don't, go ask them. They'll tell you. Same kind of thing is because if you try to operate in your area of weakness, it generally is always going to go badly. And so uh, kind of look at those two hand in hand that you need to be able to ask for forgiveness. You need to be able to recognize you have blind spots or weaknesses and let, let your employees know there. That is good stuff. I love that. All right, well, let's get some more questions. Um, Leanne from Broken Arrow says, how do I monitor the performance of people that I have to lead? So for me, it always begins with self. I don't uh, ask anybody to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. And so if it doesn't matter what the subject is, what it is, if I can't do it myself, uh, I'm just not going to do it. And so I'm not going to tell you to do something if I'm not going to do it myself. And so it begins there. And again, uh, back to the Jocko thing, discipline equals freedom. I just got to be make a habit and do those things on a regular basis. My daily habits kind of thing. It's it's um, a John Maxwell learned thing called the rule of five. And so lead myself well every day, study leadership in the Bible, add value to others where I can on a regular basis, learn to ask good questions, which I have over the years, and then continuously improve. And I try to impart that information into uh, my direct reports uh, to help them because I, I know it's helped me. Hopefully it will help them. Then I have monthly one-on-ones with them. And I know uh, because I, I come from a manufacturing facility, and so it's tough if you're a manager that of hourly employees working on a plant floor. It's tough to get them into an office and have one-on-ones, but you can be creative. You can go out to where they work and do that. You could go to lunch with them in the break room and sit by your side and just talk. They need to know they have specific time with you. That's very important. All right. Then outside of that, uh, I do check-ins with employees every week and I'll just stop by for five minutes or so and talk to every employee. And really it is, what are they working on? What do they need help from me from? How can I help them? What solve whatever roadblock is out in front of them? Uh, and then, uh, you know, the three questions that I ask on a regular basis that we, uh, have talked about in the past is right. How do I earn your trust? How do you want to be given feedback? How do you want to be rewarded if you go above and beyond and make sure when I'm giving them feedback that it's based on the way they want the feedback, not the way I want to give it. If they've done something really cool. And again, it's about finding when people do something right, not, not finding when people do something wrong because the human nature is really to catch people doing something wrong. If they've done something really above and beyond, what was it that they needed? Maybe it was just, you know, an extra hour off or something to go spend time with their family. Great. Go give it to them if, if you're allowed to do that. And then when you have conversations with them, be sure and you talk to them about more than just work. What's going on in their family? What's going on with their hobbies? If they have kids, grandkids, whatever it is, what's going on? And circle back and talk about those things with them because they need to know that you care about them as a person. Again, it's the old Zig Ziglar thing. If you give people what they want, they're going to help you get what you want. And ultimately, what your team needs is to produce results. And so, you know, you mentioned um, you you check in with uh, your employees and say, what do you need from me? Does that depend on how you ask that? Because sometimes that can come off as you're not doing it fast 
fast enough or you're not doing it the right way Mm -hmm. or whatever. So therefore, then it becomes uh, misconstrued as micromanagement when in reality, you're just asking legitimately, really, can I do that? Or does that kind of go hand in hand with developing that relationship? And then people will automatically think you're really doing it to help and further them, not because they're not doing it correctly. I would like to say and on your because you had two things and I want to say they're Mm -hmm. both right. So absolutely. You need to have a relationship with them. So you need to know how they need to be given that feedback or ask that question. But you're absolutely right. If you don't frame it just right, they're going to think you're micromanaging. And that is not what I'm saying here. Because what really uh, we have people that working on from multimedia to developing courses to uh, troubleshooting problems with our software to answering requests. It's really it's about what roadblocks do they have in front of them? Maybe they don't know the right person in our IT department to get something done. Maybe they need to purchase something. They're like, how do I do this? I don't know. It's like, let me help you out. Maybe they have a payroll question or whatever. And so, well, I don't know those answers either, but I know who you need to talk to to get that answer. Or let me go with you to go help you get that answer. But absolutely, you just need to know how they need it because you've come across as like, dadgummit, what's taking you so long? All right? right. That's the wrong way. But it's like, hey, I understand you're working on this project. Are there any issues you're having? Are you having any roadblocks or anything going on that I can help you, right? Are you trying to get something done? Are you trying to get software installed and you're not having luck getting that done? Wow. So that is really good. So I think that um, one of the things that is really stands out a lot uh, and in the book, um, it's very important. Uh, I'll just say the the character David, uh, and you'll know when you read the book, you're going to understand it very quickly. It's another question we have here. I need to have a confronting conversation with a person who is highly confrontational. How can I do this and keep the conversation on track? Okay, so the, I'm going to go back to seven habits. One of the things I learned, it, it's uh, called habit five, seek first to understand before being understood. So do you really understand what's going on with that person, right? And do do you have a concept? Is there something going on in their personal life? That, did, you know, was their spouse just diagnosed with cancer or something? Make sure you understand from their point of view first, right? So listen empathically. Listen with your eyes, your ears, your body language. Ask follow-up questions, not probing them, not accusing them, but make sure, ask questions to clarify, to make sure you understand what's going on with them. And then if there's anything to their point that they're making, you need to work on it before you say, well, well before we get to that, you need to do my stuff. Because if you try to go down that path, it's probably going to fail, all right? It's going to end up ending badly. But if you understand from their point of view, listen empathically. Once you have a two-way form of communication where they understand you, you understand them, make sure that whatever their point of view is not a character issue, uh, because that's one of the things very important in our organization. You know, that person, maybe they had worked for a bad boss at one time, maybe they have some bad habits, and it's just really, it's been a holdover from something like that. But to the point with highly confrontational people, you just have to go in. You can't go in with guns cocked, locked, and loaded and ready to go. You got to come in with a, a sense of understanding. Once you get to that point, then you can start working on resolving that. But if you wait too long to address that, there are levels of conflict that there is a point of no return that at some point they're going to be to the point where I've got to win and you got to lose. And whatever I got to do is going to happen. And that if you ever get to that point with somebody, you probably are going to have to end up parting ways. But if you, you can stop it before then, right, then you, you can solve it and get it back on track. And I have had that in my, in my past. I've been on the other end of that. I've been on the receiving end uh, of that very thing of um, once you get to a point of no return, you know, I felt like we butted heads constantly and he was a micromanager and we just went at it over and over and over. And, you know, I made 
snide remarks in meetings. You know, after a while, I got tired of being degraded. And so I would, you know, because he would say offhanded comments. And then, of course, when, you know, when it would happen, you'd be like, really? And he'd be like, oh, well, man, I'm just kidding with you. You know, whatever. I'm just poking at you, you know. But the problem was, is that those pokes continued to go. My job was to, oh, I'm going to poke back and we're going to go at this. Okay, so this is how it's going to go. And unfortunately, what happened was, is it got out of control and it did get to the point where it was a point of no return. You know, it's like, I'm going to do everything I can to get you out of here. My response was, well, you know what? Fire your first shot then. Instead of, wait a minute, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, what's going on? And you were talking about how that they bring something maybe from another employer. That's pretty much any relationship at all. You know, uh, I, I dated um, several women in my life that taught me how to fight mm-hmm. and how to be mean and, and get my way. And, you know, they ran over me. And so I'm like, no, you know, and then I knew how to fight. Well, first of all, that's not biblical whatsoever. When you finally do meet the person that God has, you know, set forth with you, mm-hmm. And they're not a fighter. You know, the first time I made my wife now cry, I felt so small. And I had to go and apologize and say, you know what? I brought that from another relationship. I know that in other jobs that I've had since that boss that we went at it toe to toe all the time, you know, I had a matching set of luggage that I brought. Anytime it was the, you stopped by my desk, you know, hey, can I help you with something? Do I, you know, can I get you something, you know? Okay, look, I know I'm not going fast enough for you, but I am trying to get it done. Well, that sets a whole precedence of really. And then it started the cycle over. So I had to learn to break that cycle and to put myself into a different frame of mind. So that is really good stuff. That's really good. Cause yeah, the one thing you do not want is you do not want it to get to the point of no return. Yep. Because then all you guys are doing is just trying to outdo one another until somebody cries uncle. Yeah, and then it spreads over to the rest of the team. Any of those other high performers you might not be on your team, they're probably going to leave or something's going to happen. Yeah, it's just going to end up being a cancer. Yeah, because it's it's just a toxic relationship at that point. Yes, no doubt. All right, one more for you uh, here. One more question here. How can I coach people to perform at their highest level? Okay, so good. Uh, Number one, uh, what is their strength? All right, so you have to figure out what their strengths are. And then I ask a question, what? What are you most passionate about? So I start with that. And then I say, hey, what do you see yourself in two, three, four years from now? Right. And it is it in an area of their strength. If it's not, you got to try and figure out, okay, so why why does this person want to head that direction when it seems they don't have a strength in that area? Now, there's a chance maybe that strength hasn't been developed yet, and maybe there is something there. But if there's not, you need to try and guide them out of that way. Uh, you know, I've seen employees that say, hey, no, I want I want to go do this. I want to be like, I want to be the general manager of this plan or whatever. It's like, you know, I've tried for six months, try to get you to understand or try to teach you how to have those conversations to confront somebody or to keep people on track. And it it's not happening. And so at some point you just say, no, that's not really uh, your strength. But if it is an area of their strength, I do everything I can to coach them in there, keep them at least 75% of their time in there. Again, we all have times when we're going to have to do things that are repetitive or maybe that, you know, comes from down, you know, from the top and we have to, you know, do reports or what have you. Uh, but three fourths of the time, I want to keep them in their strength. I'm going to keep empowering them to do things. I want to give them high profile projects where they can get out in front of people. If they don't want to publicly speak, that's fine. Get them in multimedia projects or presentations or thing, get them, get their name out there. Uh, if they don't want to be in front of people, I'll do that. And I'll say, Hey, guess what? This employee just completed this. Look at the work they did. Make sure they get the credit and people know that that person did that and just keep heading them down that path. Get, I just keep 
giving them stuff, whether it's books or podcasts or whatever, keep coaching that area. And then eventually you'll see if that if that really is a strength and they're good, they're going to end up being a high performer. And sometimes they might outperform you eventually, which is just fine with me. That's fine. Well, and it's because uh, that goes back to what you said before was, you know, if you're the smartest one in the room, get out of that room. Yes. You don't need to be yeah. in that room. So that kind of falls back to that too. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I'm not very good at is taking compliments. Uh, I tend to deflect them a lot because it's something that I just have always done or I always always do or whatever. Um, And I actually learned that again about myself, honestly, when I was editing podcast with you, Hmm. because during one of the breaks, you said, uh, man, you are really thorough. In the recording, I heard myself say, oh yeah, thanks a lot. Eh, It's something I do. I've done it for so many years. It's just, you know, whatever. Instead of thank you. And a lot of times people, we forget that, you know, that, Hey, you know what? You're thanking them for something. And you, like you said, you don't need that recognition, but it is nice to get it. And once you ask those important questions of feedback, how do you like feedback and to take a compliment, you know, it's just easier to say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. If I can jump in there, you're absolutely right. Cause I, I'm an introvert and I don't, I don't like compliments much either. I would much rather give them to my team and let them have that. But if, if you're a leader and you're out there leading people, right, there's generally there's extroverts, there's introverts, there's task-based people, there's relational, uh, relationship-based people. And typically your introverts don't like those compliments, but I'll tell you, every human needs to hear good job or thank you at some point. Some need it more often than others, but everybody needs to hear it. You're so right. Hey guys, I appreciate you responding to these questions, uh, giving them to you. And Robert is going to be joining us for another episode to answer more of your questions. So here's what I want you to do. First of all, you know, you're going to find a lot of information in his book, how to get great results using the relational leadership model. When you get this book and you read this book, you're going to have questions. There's going to be some things in there that you're like, okay, I get it, Robert. I understand the questions that I'm supposed to ask of my employees and and ask of me. Okay, so what if I don't get the right answer? Or what if I don't get the answer? And then that was something you were talking about too, where there's a way to reframe that question a little bit more to drill down to the answer. And it's not so much the answer you want, but it's the answer that the real answer. They'll give you the patent answer. Let me ask it this way. And so you ask it again, and it's totally reframed. So therefore, you get the answer that you're actually looking for, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and sometimes I, you know, I've kind of taken that concept from root cause analysis, ask them five whys, but it's really, okay, so you didn't get that, let me ask it a different way. Oh, didn't get that, let me ask it a different way. And sometimes I just need to make sure that we're communicating well, but you'll eventually get to the way that it's totally understandable to both parties and then you'll you'll get the answer that that's needed to be said and i think that that's important to remember too to call back to what you said earlier in the aspect of you know the answer that you you need and it's because you guys need to be on the same page um to accomplish the same goals to speak the same language because that way that's the only way that the relational leadership model is going to work too is that if you guys are all in uh everybody's all in to the project Mm -hmm. and that's the only way to move that forward uh yeah yeah, so, you know, leadership has evolved over the years from command and control to today, I would say it's more team-based or participative. And that's what that's what people want. Now, again, they, you will, as the leader, you probably have the final decision in a lot of those things. And you need to because you can delegate authority, but you can never delegate final responsibility. But people 
need to know they have a voice. They need to understand why and when they understand those things, they will perform again at a much higher level. That is so awesome. Well, I love the questions. Keep them coming. And if you want to be featured on the show, it's really easy to do. You just email your question to btmrickhampton at gmail.com. That's btmrickhampton at gmail.com or call 918-236-9063. If you would like to be featured on the show, you can leave us a voicemail with your name, where you're calling from, and the question that you would like answered. And it is 918-236-9063. Now there is more show ahead. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Don't take those earbuds out now. Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton returns in seconds. I'm Mo. And I'm Sheila Joe, And we're Mojo Merchandise. Mojo Merchandise was created by two friends with a craft passion. We love to make things as gifts like baby shower presents, wedding shower presents, party decorations, and balloon bouquets. There is nothing we can't do once we put our mind to it. We specialize in vinyl printed t-shirts, home decor signs, pillowcases, cups, and much more. If you have a favorite scripture or a mom saying you want on a t-shirt or sign, we've got you covered. If you have an idea or needing a gift, let Mojo Merchandise make exactly what you need. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. We're back with Robert Epperly, author of the book, How to Get Great Results Using the Relational Leadership Model. And Robert, I just want you to, I want you to leave us with one nugget from the book. All right. How about this? Uh, leadership's never easy. It takes continuous effort. And again, that's part of my rule of five in there. And if you want to continue developing, you must be continued to continual learning. Right? It isn't something you do once and say, hey, yep, I read a book. That's fine. Put it on the shelf. No, you got to keep going. Your team depends on you continuing to develop into a better leader uh, and continuing developing them because you cannot give what you do not have. And eventually there will be a leader, a lid placed on your leadership if you do not continue growing and developing. Man, I was hoping you would use that one. That was the one that I saw. It was actually, it was in the book and um, it is in the workbook too. So you can have that as well. And it's one that honestly, if I could do it, I would needle point it on a pillow. Um, It is something that you always have to do. You have to continually learn. When I started doing this podcast and I decided that I was going to start interviewing book authors and talking about their books, I thought, man, I can't do this because I am not a reader. I don't like to read that often. And then it, it hit me. I mean, especially Especially when I read that line in your book, I'm like, I need to do this more often. Our pastor is on sabbatical right now for for quite a while. And so um, the first thing he did whenever he uh, on the first day of a sabbatical, he posted on Facebook talking about how that he had read his Bible, had done his devotion. And then he featured a picture that said, here's the stack of books I'll be reading during my sabbatical. And it was a very, very tall stack of books. So it's just uh, some of them were for fun. Some of them are for learning. But, you know, even the ones for fun, sometimes you just find that little piece of knowledge or that nugget in there that you're like, oh, I need to underline that. I'm going to keep that. So there was one. And that right there, uh, leadership is never easy, but you have to be continual and you have to be um, purposeful in learning and continuing to learn um, and continue always learning. So man, man, what a great, what a great line from that. Um, you can pick up that book. It's really simple uh, to do. Uh, before we close out the episode, I'm going to uh, let you know uh, that uh, you, his book is available and the companion workbook is also available from Amazon. You just search how to get great results and Robert Epperly. You can also find it at Barnes and Noble, but the workbook right now though is still only available on Amazon. Is that right? That is correct. All right. All right. 
If you are a leader in your organization, if you're a manager at your job or an employee wanting to make the jump to leadership, since we all are leaders in some aspect of our life, you need to own this book. It will help you take the next steps in becoming the leader God wants you to be. Man, you know what? (laughs) I've said this over and over and I felt like I kind of repeated myself, but it is such a great book. It really is. It's changed the way I lead. It's changed the way that I think about things and the way I ask questions the way I interject myself into their daily life to, you know, hey, is there something I can do to help you? You know, be please reach out, you know, talk to me mm-hmm. because we are in this together. And for us, like when I'm at the church, it's one goal, and that is to see people saved and come to that. And, and, and I want to make sure they have the tools to go out and spread that message. So uh, great thing. Uh, it's really helped me a whole bunch. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, writing this, I never had any aspirations about what would happen. I just gave it to God and said, hey, whatever happens, what happens, you know, it's up to you. And if it helps one person, that's fantastic. If it helps 100, great. So I have no preconceived notions about how many copies this is going to sell. I just want to help people. And that is about adding value to others. That is awesome. That's a great thing. So again, if you have questions that you want to know the answers to, uh, you read the book and you're like, mm, man, you know what? Um, I would really like to know uh, the, more about this uh, RMT technologies. Um, well, uh, you could do that, uh, but uh, I will tell you that it's kind of made up. However, you can go in the book and read that. And if uh, you want to know some questions about that as well, like, you know, once you get to know Robert as well through the book and through the podcast, uh, you'll know more about how that was written. And uh, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed if you get this book. Uh, it is a great book. It's just easy to find. You just have to go to Amazon, look for the workbook and the book as well there. Amazon search how to get great results and Robert Epperly or pick up the book at Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into the, into the book a little more as well. And so uh, I'm excited about that as well. So Robert, thanks for being on the show. We can't wait for the next time. We're going to be answering more questions. Um, Looking forward to it, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks again for having me. All right. Well, if you would like what you hear, I would love it if you would go out to my Facebook page, Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton, and leave me a comment. If you want to play along and be the next big winner on the Behind the Mic speed round of questions, email the show at btmrickhampton at gmail.com. That's btmrickhampton at gmail.com and use the subject line speed round and maybe what we can do on the last episode is we might could ask him a few more speed round questions even if you have one of those you'd like to have me ask because you want to know something more about robert epperly personally please do send it in i'd love to hear that and see that too until next time thanks for listening to behind the mic with rick hampton want to hear more you can subscribe to this show on podbean itunes stitcher youtube google podcast and spotify follow us on facebook search behind the mic with rick hampton until next time thank you for listening to behind the mic with rick hampton